<laughs> okay. So you really want to know, huh? Fine. I'm going to start by telling you this. And this is important, so listen up. Your entire life, this one and many others, you've been a god who uses its absolute power to make yourself powerless. Entire cultures, especially this one, have all been afraid of their weaknesses, supposedly. When in reality, they've all been afraid of their power. This goes beyond the matrix of reality. This is something much deeper than that. This is eternal. This is fully realizing your consciousness. This is infinite. This is evolution. This is our divine right. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. This is the show that's named after my alter ego, and I'm not sure if that necessarily by proxy makes my alter ego neurotic, or I'm not really sure how it works, but it's a whole lot to unpack. We can't get into that today. I'm really excited to have an amazing guest on the show today, uh, Project Cheney, Cheney from Project Cheney, 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 thank you so much for coming and chatting. If you say it one more time, it's like Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're already here. Can you, would you be here? Because no. <laughs> we, we were talking earlier, we're actually not that far apart. You know, you're, you're in the South, I'm in the South. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to come and chat with me because I've been really uh, digging into your podcast. There's been uh, actually a couple episodes and I was looking for more. Um, and I want to talk to you about that and how you got started with that. Um, and I guess we can just kind of go ahead and, and, and start there. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast. So, um, I am, uh, I think a stand-up comedian by nature, like class clown stand-up. Um, I had a little experience in front of a microphone doing that and doing some radio in my youth and kind of got everything felt a little Hollywood to me for a long time in my life. So I was really turned off by the idea. Um, then when podcasting came around and conspiracy and whatever else, I had a really good friend of mine and he introduced me to UFC and MMA and I fell in love with it. And there wasn't a lot of women talking about it. And we would talk about it every day. We owned a lawn company. And so we would drive every day in our lawn truck and in between doing lawns, uh, we would just yammer about these fights. So we were like, we should start a UFC podcast. And we did that for years. And, uh, I think it just gave me my sea legs a little bit of the difference of like stand up and maybe what this idea of broadcasting is. And um, I had a, in, in all of that, I also had this like shit posting anonymous site called conspiracy chicken and no one knew it was me. And, uh, I would post everything from ancient Kemet and Egyptian Canaanite and, you know, old religious stuff to modern digs on Tom Hanks. I would post everything. I would post everything from uh, QAnon connection stuff to uh, very old uh, symbolism and the lead up through it. You know, I would just try to keep it everywhere. And I didn't tell anyone I did this. And I was 
gathering a little following. And one day this other dude was like, hey, um, will you come on my podcast and chat? And I was like, no one had ever seen me. No one had ever heard my voice. I didn't talk to anyone in the DMs. I didn't anything. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to show up. They all think I'm a black dude. I'm just going to show up and let's see how this goes down. So I kind of showed up and I had an okay conversation with this guy and he was like, oh, we should do a podcast. And I wasn't doing anything else at the time. So I did a podcast with him called The Idiocalypse for a brief amount of time. And it was kind of like a panel show yeah, on YouTube. And um, maybe kind of similar to The Union of the Unwanted. I think we actually did it right at the same time. Uh, that was good. And that was a whole nother muscle I was building. And I was feeling this patriotic part of myself because our country was just really split in half. We were in this new divide and I was really one of the only people and for sure the only like lesbian female with a big American flag behind me on all these podcasts being patriotic and shit. Wow. Uh, so somewhere in that podcast, I went through a spiritual awakening and I kind of did it live on air in ways when I watch, I haven't watched it back, but I think back to the episodes and I'm like, shit, I wonder if I could see that on my face. I wonder if you could read what I was going through at that time, right that day, just how quickly it all happened in the 2020. So I ended up leaving that show. I went to Washington, D.C. on 1-6. Um, it really changed a lot, not just in my spiritual, like energetically everything. But while I was on that show, there was a couple guests uh, one specifically, a couple guests though, staring across where there's like eight people on the screen and, uh, the conversation would go there. Like they touch it, but then there's eight people. So we're all trying to convince each other of our ideas and debate and whatever that nonsense is. And, um, I just wanted to go deeper there with that person. Like I was feeling energetically compelled to, like I had so many questions for them and I didn't know why all these questions were being put on my head, but I couldn't do it in a room of eight other people. And, um, I also, they were weird questions that I wouldn't normally ask someone. They were intimate questions and personal and they weren't about conspiracy and, you know, aliens or whatever. And, um, I didn't know then, and that is a really long explanation to get to now, but that is why I had to do my own show. And um, that is Project Cheney. <laughs> no, I love it. And you were saying before too, why you named it that, which I thought was really cool as well. Um, do you want to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's Project Cheney because... Um, I don't have kids. Everybody talks about um, like leaving something and... Uh, for if people really wanted to know them and I intentionally wanted to build a show around what I think is my crazy brain one it's um project Cheney uh and not it's project Cheney too but I just think we're all projections of each other and sometimes the questions are things I've never said out loud before. And sometimes the knowledge that I get back is like, holy shit. It's like you hear something put into words that you've been thinking in your head for your whole life, but just hearing somebody put it into an auditory frequency that is in a language you understand is everything. <clears throat> and sometimes I think the question has to be asked and, uh, 
the connection, the energy between the two people is sometimes where the God lies, where the new is, where the stretch of stretch of the new authenticity. If I'm being authentic and you are, there's something new between us alchemically that doesn't exist anywhere else. And um, there just feels like a real spiritual, when it is my favorite, there's like a real energetic spiritual exchange and connection. And it's real. And I think my audience feels it too. And um, even when it's not my favorite, it's tons of information and tons of rabbit holes. And you could sit there with your pad and paper and just be like, what conspiracies are these motherfuckers talking about? I can't even keep up because it's just like two totally open-minded people that are open to everything sharing everything. So we might talk about Agartha, Flat Earth, Antarctica, time travel, God, Jesus, Buddha, with the same amount of respect in one episode. And it go everywhere. But that's what I want it to be. I want to take people like a drug and then get high on them while I <laughs> like ruminate on their ideas and feelings. That's cool. I mean, that's really intimate and... and yeah i mean that's like communion i guess it's the best word i could kind of come up with on that but i think that's great i love it i love the the, the project uh aspect as well i think that's really really cool and uh yeah you have your uh show listed as a conspirituality i thought that was clever um, <laughs> i did, feel like i didn't i feel like the swarm created that i think i want to take credit but i feel like it's a sam Tripoli swarm thing okay okay well it's cool i like the mixture of it you know uh wordplay is great but i but i do think that so in your sort of journey you would say that you kind of went through the conspiracy uh stuff first and then sort of had a spiritual awakening is that what i'm hearing Oh yeah. I was so head woke for probably two decades. I knew everything. I almost to the point of like, um, it, it was, uh, I was almost numb or dumb to how much I knew, but didn't feel like I was taking in all this information without a real idea of Okay, girl, you know every symbol, you know every ritual, you know every religion, key player, uh, you know, cr how, however far back you can dig, you know it, but you have never sat one time and thought, but why are they doing it? Like I never asked the why before. And something happened on um, the Idiocalypse with um, the amount of spiritual tarot, uh, out. Uh, proud Christians, out proud Buddhists, people that were calling themselves wizards, people that were into Reiki and energy healing. Um, it was like seeing all these people and hearing them and feeling that it was resonating in a way that it kind of blew my mind that I never asked the why. What are they hiding from us? Like I knew all, it was crazy that you. I never... Even the ritual, the dark side of it, the pizza gate of it, the, you know, um, finders and uh, Adam Walsh and all this, even that dark side of it, the Epstein Island, I never thought, but why? Um, what are, what's the whole thing or how long has it been going on? Holy shit, this is forever. Holy shit, this is the highest currency. Oh, but why? There must be something. And, um, that's, I was teetering on the edge of that 
<laughs> like a locomotive, like on Back to the Future 3, like all the fucking uh, nuts and bolts popping off the track. And then I took DMT and just shoved it into the engine of... <laughs> by myself in the middle of the night in the backyard that's awesome <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and that's when yeah uh, holy shit i feel like um i just became an instrument of energy and connection and uh i lost my mind completely and i almost uh relished in that fact for like a month where I was just like, bye mind, heart is so fun. <laughs> and I, all, maybe even energy vampiric in a way, because I had never, it's like I felt empathy. I felt other people's energy for the first time and it felt good. It didn't give me anxiety. I was so aware of my own presence that I could just feel theirs and play in theirs. And it was just, like I felt like a little fairy hopping around to like lily pads of energy. And it was really quick because my logic was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, but yeah, I went to Washington DC on the sixth and that was a big, huge, like rubber band to the other way. It was like, we DMT. And then it was like, whoosh, back to the other side of like wow. a weird 3d mental break. <laughs> no, that's crazy. I can, I can partially relate for me. You know, I was definitely, I love the term head woke for a while. You know, I'm reading Ayn Rand and all these like heady books that are really hard to, you know, understand and or get through really this, the, the ideas are simple. Like the moral of the story is not hard, but anyway, um, and going through with that whole thing. And then at a certain point for me, what happened was I just got so sick of being depressed and sat and, and, and disappointed in the way the world was which was not like I thought it was uh that I had just had to like dig and uh ultimately through reading a lot of like spiritual um books you know even Eckhart Tolle with the Transcendentalist uh, Emerson um Thoreau and then ultimately uh, reality transurfing in a few years ago was probably the one that kind of put a lot most everything together that I had explored in a you know pretty succinct way I would say but um yeah I can completely relate and understand I I want people to get more on well I don't know I don't want people to do anything they don't want to do but I would <laughs> love it if I would love it if people would open up a little bit more emotionally you know uh, because I do think that is a component that's missing like you know we can be the smartest person in the world and I see a lot of the smartest people that I know who are completely blind to certain things and I don't know if it's because they have, you know, shut down their intuitive functions over maybe the schooling and the social conditioning that we all experience or, or necessarily exactly what is going on there. But uh, I think it's a really interesting uh, thing that you bring up there with, uh, you know, you're like, wow, I'm actually experiencing people's energy. I can feel, cause I knew, um, I'm reading all these books. I'm like, oh, well, you know, logic and objectivism. But I knew people could feel my vibe, like if I wanted something from them, you know, and uh, that's not something that the rational mind really understands, right? The, the rational mind is going to be like, well, I'll package this up in a sales pitch that's clever and sneaky and no one will ever know. But desperation is a stinky cologne. So if you, if you have a great, you know, like uh, pitch, 
people feel you, you know, like trying to get something, whether it's sales or not, that they're trying to get something from you, even if that's your attention or, you know, some, some, some form of validation, whatever. And it just, you can just pick right up on that. Um, it's, it's amazing to me how many dumb, smart people there are right now. Um, uh, regurgitation. (laughs) We, it's, there aren't, it, we somewhere, we started scolding the people who asked the questions and uh, putting the, you know, go to the dean's office, stop disrupting the class, go to detention, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> and we started to reward the people who regur- just regurgitated it, didn't at all. Uh, and if you remember how many times it, in class you'd raise your hand and you'd be like, why? But why? Why? You weren't trying to be an asshole, right. but your teacher would tell you, I don't know, Cheney, but you just have to know this for the test. And it would be that was the switch of they really didn't know. They were getting handed a book that was telling them what you had to know for a you know, government mandated test on how smart you were. Look at that word again, mandate. It keeps yeah. coming up because it's it, it, you're just doing it willingly. A government mandated test. Is this test a law? No, it's not a law, but you're dictating how all these kids, what money goes to these school boards, all these things, all by this book of um, they don't know why you have to know it. You just have to know it for the test. And so we know from a very young age, the people that regurgitate the best get the best grades. The best grades go to the best colleges. The best colleges get the best jobs. The best jobs get the most money and the most money get all the things that we all look at on our Instagram, Facebook feeds and share with each other. The Kardashian lifestyle is what everybody wants. So, um, yeah, it, it's so crazy. It's like, modeled. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's modeled, modeled for us. Teased over here and they're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to want. And then we just kind of mindlessly go toward what the main current, I guess, is driving people's attention towards. It's interesting. I love that, you know, once you kind of had this experience that you all of a sudden um, started asking, you know, more intimate and even um, maybe even uh, invasive questions. I think that's very interesting uh, to kind of think about, like, because people, we, we all need to ask ourselves the questions. Like, why am I doing this? Like, what's the meaning behind this? What's the purpose of this? Um, but even just a, opening up to allow ourselves to even hear that question, you know? It just, I, I have this question actually pops into my head because I do comedy too. Um, do you think that stand-up comedy has something to do with being able to sort of open up uh, and ask questions that would otherwise be maybe off the table. I think stand-up comics and people that really are stand-up comics, and there's tons of them out there. Everybody knows them. They might be a lady that sits next to you in your office job. It might be your car mechanic. It might be your grandfather. Like everybody knows that like person in their life that you're like, this bitch is always funny, like always funny. Like they're quick. They're like, they just, it's like they're 360. They're some, when you just hang out with them for an hour, it seems like a comedy sketch. You're like, did you just end this whole thing with the joke you started us hanging out on? Like, you're wonderful. Get out of here. And it's like when you, certain people have their different 
kinds of humor. And if you really get, if you have a good sense of humor, you get people's different kinds of sense of humor. So you get dry for dry and you get slapsticky for slapsticky and you get like the kind of sometimes my favorite jokes, the ones that I like to call like the uh, scorpion poison where they lay the joke on you and then you're driving home and you're like, was that on me? (laughs) 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 But uh, I just think there's something that comedians have And maybe there's other professions that do it, but I cannot think of anything more. And we observe. Everybody thinks we talk a lot, but we observe the most. And we're constantly trying to figure out the dichotomy of words to put together for the action that everyone else is doing. It's like the movie Jaws. Uh, A million movies could be made about the water. A million fucking movies could be made about the water, but Jaws with the right that one movie that one energy that one thing changed the water forever and that is what like kind of like a good observationalist does they take the fucking most simple thing that everybody does and they find the humor in it or they find the pain in it or they find the just the thread that it doesn't matter where you're at or who you are you get that you get that thing And then if you don't get it at all and have no relations, the best comedian finds the perfect dichotomy of words that you can understand that thing. And that is what I do. I think real comedy is even missing. They've told us what was funny for so long that people are under the fucking illusion. Can I cuss here? Absolutely. (laughs) And I always say fuck and then I ask. It's like (laughs) um, people are under the illusion that Joe Rogan's funny. People are under the illusion that Dave Chappelle is still funny. People are under the illusion when they talk about the greatest ever. They're like, I can't wait to see coming to America too. And I'm like, I would rather curb stomp my own face than think that's funny. And so we're such in a regurgitation society where like TikTok videos are so silly that like Bernie mittens, people are like, oh my God, look at the meme I made with fucking Bernie sitting on top of a whale. I'm so clever. And you're like, ugh. That's the grossest hack, Tiger King. You're hack. You're hack. You're brainwashed hack. And that's kind of how I feel about uh, most people. Like it's comedy, it's movies, it's music. It's the equation of a pop song. And that's what most people's brains have gotten into this fake dichotomy. So when I see those fucking people that it used to be just funny. Like if I saw the people with just funny or it used to be just talent when I saw the just the musicians that were leaning to that outside. But now I see the pain people have survived and it intrigues me in the same fucking way. And I just want to help them find the words or they have the words, but nobody fucking cares or nobody fucking asks or or they're just wearing such a good fucking mask that uh, everybody thinks they're okay. And I don't think everybody's okay all the time. No, we're clearly not okay. I mean, there's so much like, well, it, it just goes back to head woke, right? And then underneath, even if you are uh, very perceptive and smart and you're aware of what's going on out here in the world, you might still be missing uh, a whole lot of information, you know, uh, intuitively or emotionally, you know, just by being out here. And then that, you know, like that sort of, box that that is what people now identify for instance as funny it's like oh it has to hit these markers it has to 
it has to fit in here in the square to be that it's like no in fact it's it's like you're talking about when you make a new connection with somebody and you open up something new that's never been the same is true in a joke it's like you put even if it's just two words you describe something and put it in a way and, and observe that thing that's never been observed about it before it's a new connection there's even like a joke book that i have on my shelf that she talks about how like everything already is in existence and what a lot of uh, a lot of comedy is is taking two ideas that were never connected and putting them together, right? Juxtaposition. That's awesome. Yes, and that's a great word. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It's, it's one of the word. best words. <laughs> it, <is. laughs> it really is. And I just really have to clarify: Skinny Dave Chappelle, one of the best comedians ever. This built clone, um, not funny. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but it was that free special that he put out not too long ago where he's like, at the end of it, I was like, and I've always been even even buff Dave Chappelle, you know, I've been like, all right, you know, his to the two that the double album he put out on Netflix. That was OK. Yeah, before I, he did the. It was pretty good. But yeah, the it was maybe it was eight, eight, twenty four. I can't remember. It was it however long all these like ridiculous coincidences, right? Oh, that's my birthday. That's the amount of time. And then at the end, he's like talking about, well, if X or Y doesn't happen, it's going to be rat-a-tat-tat in these streets. And I'm like, oh, really? So you quit comedy because you were putting out a message that was irresponsible, but you're going to go tell people to shoot guns in the street now? Awesome, you know? Like, I I think comedy's gotten pretty laughable at this point. And in fact, I think there's people who are are tapping into that and, and thinking about, making it kind of a mockery itself you know i mean look at all these ridiculous people who are supposed to be comedians like these you know um these folks are are just like pandering you know and just absolutely being used uh they're not fighting back at all uh they clearly don't care Uh, well the weird it's just the dumbing down which i think I think an easiest way to see the dummy down of the society is look at the humor, because I think that's how you tell the smartest person in the room is their humor. <laughs> it's like it's Agreed. comedy and anyone can make anyone else cry. It is a gift if you're able to make someone else laugh. And it is a alchemy, an alchemic action that happens inside your body, whatever it does to every cell while you're doing it, you can start laughing right now and you will end up really laughing. It's like an exercise you can do with yourself. Laugh yoga. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's like, it's real. And Mm -hmm. when I think, um, I believe in magic, I believe you can control energies. I believe in spell casting. I believe in Mm -hmm. podcasting. I believe in movie casting. We're casting. Uh, I think... um, laughing is a key to magic, at least for women. And uh, that's why they call it a witch's cackle. That's why they, um, you know, don't want covens of women. That's even why still to this day, they have made it a press to 
remind us that women aren't funny. Every time a Tina Fey fucking comes up or a Joan Rivers or a Phyllis Diller or a Lucille Ball, it doesn't matter how far back we go. They remind us that women aren't funny because they don't want women laughing in groups at something that heaven forbid a man doesn't get. And it still is that this real, real way that I think sometimes our humor is allowed to be different. There is allowed to be inside jokes. There is allowed to be stuff that you might just laugh at alone and that's okay too. But a key, key, key laughing to fucking tears is everything. It is everything. Laughing until your sides hurt and you're you're like, oh, please don't, please don't make me laugh again. It's like an orgasm of laughter. You're like, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But it's mm-hmm. just, that is everything. And no one's doing that enough anymore because everyone's so scared that everyone thinks, what are you going to think if I laugh this hard? It's the same. I like, I'm, I'm going to catch myself. I'm talking about something that touches my heart. I'm talking about, um, you know, a 18 year old troop in Vietnam. And I'm just getting a really empty pathetic moment for him and it touches my heart and I feel like I might cry and I just stop talking. That's what everyone does with laughter too. Hmm. Like we have to start, like, it doesn't matter if the tears come, it's salt alchemy, do it. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, that was a whole big thought about laughter with a bunch of segues, but I I think it's so important. No, it's so important. It lights up all four hemispheres of your brain at the same time. It's, tr- it's transcendent. You know, I used to open up talking about how the transcendence of laughter, you know, and then I would make a fart joke and it usually worked. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. For me, I think there's so much power in laughter because whatever it is, if you can laugh about it, if you can make a joke about it, then you've just decreased its power over you entirely, I would say, you know, like now all of a sudden, instead of being like, um, taken hostage by this idea or situation, whatever. If you can make a joke about it, you can find the humor in it. Now, all of a sudden, it kind of squashes that tension. It's gone. So you can kind of reapproach whatever the situation is with a different mindset. You're like, okay, well, now I'm, I'm not under the spell of it, right? I've broken the spell by making a joke and, and decreasing the tension. And then now I can come at this thing with a whole new perspective, maybe uh, come up with a really good solution to whatever the problem is. Um, so, I, and, and I don't think anything is, I even make fun of my own beliefs because like, I'm with you on a lot of the, the woo-woo stuff. Like I've gone out and had alien readings and all kinds of stuff. I worked with shamans. I mean, you name it. Dude. And I will make fun of all of that stuff, but I'll also try it and see you know, if it's useful at all, because some, for somebody, it might be for somebody else. It might not. I believe in holding space and I can laugh at the fucking idea. If you tell me I'm holding space for you. Me too. It's the funniest. (laughs) Exactly. I can see that. All of it. (laughs) Exactly. Like, like I'm a coach, but my, my whole campaign is making fun of get coached, you know, like how silly it is to think that you would need a coach for anything, but we all need to support each other. And that's the yes. whole point. But like by making fun of it and I, hopefully it doesn't disqualify my services, but by making fun of it, like, I think that it takes a lot of that, like, I don't know how you would even call it, but like maybe some stigma. of the stigma away. Yeah. Maybe some of that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because there's so many like just hucksters who are in that, 
field, you know, dude, there's more people that are slime balls. I'm realizing in the spirituality world, because everybody in the spirituality world is trying to be their best selves. So they're, um, you know, doing charity without telling anyone they're, um, trying to figure out what their instincts are and just going with it. And so I just feel like in a big, huge way, um, there's a lot of marks out there when they're, when you're going through your spiritual awakening and everybody, I see it happen actually. Like I'm, I've been in some chat rooms and some forums and I just see how quickly some people are looking for a cult leader, but the thing that doesn't bother me as much. I just feel like everybody's just looking for some kind of something, an anchor or something to hold on to. Uh, but the people that do bother me that I will call out a hundred percent of the time is I can tell, like I can feel, hear the aura in them when they think they're a cult leader. And I will make sure everybody knows that they're not. Awesome. I It won't, it won't be, it, it's like, I don't even realize I'm doing it until I'm done with it. But I'm like, Ooh, that person. But I just, I have a big school of thought that you have to be okay to change your mind. You cannot have cement shoes on your idea because what's true today may not be true tomorrow. But so many people, I just realize that they're leading an entire campaign on either ideas that aren't their own or bad ideas or somehow I just think they want to get their dick wet. I just think a lot of it is like a new kind of rock star. So if I can sit on top of this ashram, crisscross applesauce doing, um, it's the same as a Rolling Stone to you. And, uh, yeah. And then watch them fold up like a, you know, like a table whenever, you know, something gets, you know, culturally shoved down our throat that we need to comply to and justify why they're going. Yeah, to I just, I don't like when people are in the vulnerable phase of going through their spiritual awakenings and they're getting hoodwinked and bamboozled. It's the same as the uh, uh, offering plate in front of the old lady who can't afford it at a church. Like, are you really passing a gold offering plate in front of that lady who has a hundred thousand dollar medical bills a month? What are you fucking doing? And then you're getting on your private jet. No, that is exactly, there's so many of that on the small scale out there in this world that are like, I'm sending you energy healing right now. And they're just cashing checks on their yacht. You know, it's like, give me a break. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm with you there. It's uh, or or they're telling you about the next, you know, time we're all going to jump timelines to like another reality, you know, together on this specific day, whatever it is, December 21st or Uh, Yeah, that's what I tell people to. It's so funny to me that everything with like the new age movement is about being present, intentionally present. Yet at the same time in this new age movement, not only are we talking about timelines, so the infinite amount of views, not only are we talking about um, different planets, so the different amount of planets that potentially there could be you on these timelines, not only are we talking about um, now past lives, and future lives. So all the other ways that you can't be present in this place. So how many other ways can you pick in a day to not be present with who you are right here, right now? How about you stop worrying about healing your past life trauma and just fucking call your dad or mom or sibling or best friend and fix that. I just, there's so much of the new age that is like, let me read 18 books and fucking do 80 hours of yoga 
but why don't you just apologize? Why don't you just call someone and apologize? (laughs) So much of it is simple and very 3D fixes, but you just have to humble up and stop thinking you're some messiah, some mashiach walking on water, like get over yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's ridiculous. I think, um, yeah, I love I love the idea of uh, of presence. And that's a great point, too, by the way, I love past lives and all this stuff. (laughs) Um, And I think that, you know, we have to be present in order to affect the future, right? If we're completely discombobulated and just scatterbrained, then obviously we don't have enough attention uh, or power energetically to make any sort of difference in the future. And I think that if people can find, you know, a purpose or a mission for their life, then that can help them like really anchor to their presence. And so that's kind of like what I work on with folks is just connecting to that masculine aspect, you know, the purpose sort of uh, part of it. Because if you can find that, or at least this has been true for me, so I won't project it. Um, But uh, if I can find that, then even if I'm having a shitty day, something goes haywire, which inevitably it will, then I don't get like you know, onto some other bunny trail or, or, or distracted or over here, or go over there and be like, Oh God, because I know that like, I have a, a, a center point and I'm, and I have a reason for being. So if I continue, even though it's hard, somehow I'm motivated to continue to go that way just because I'm aware of what that is. So it's a little bit easier to be present. <clears throat> it's a little bit easier to stay motivated. Um, it's, uh, it's or I would say even a lot, uh, but that has, I think a lot to do with just anchoring into the moment. You know, people talk a lot about 5D, but I don't think a lot of people even know what 3D or like. like I agree. <laughs> I'm like, you're know, skipping D's over you're here. skipping 4D, which is yeah. FaceTime, you know, like uh, we need to talk. And are you talking about dimensions or are you talking about densities from the book? Of, or bra size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That would be a terrible thing to to confuse, you know? know. And be like, oh, I thought we were dimensionally traveling and you just wanted a motorboat. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh my god, that's so good. Well, I, love I made myself you- blush with that. I just- <laughs> Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about like where people can find you and how, how we can support you. Um, I know you don't have, I know you're, you're really just trying to be generous and give your art to people who are interested, uh, which is awesome and super commendable. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about that. Um, Projectchaney.com. Uh, I'm really shadow banned on Instagram, uh, for my shit posting site. Now it's at Cheney in Wonderland, but you'll probably have to type in everything or for just my podcast Instagram, it's at project Cheney. And, uh, I do have Twitters for both and a telegram Cheney, the vampire slayer. I really do like <laughs> telegram. Um, cool. yeah, I, um, I'm sorry. What was the question? No, I'm <laughs> like, asking, I'm self-promoting yeah. is the part that I'm getting, um, trying to get better at. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Supporting. I, yeah, it's like my art. I feel like it's my painting right now, but the podcast mentally helps me in a way that I don't know if, um, where I'd be at right now without it, with the guests that I've had on it, um, the conversations that I've had, the work that I've put in, uh, what I've had to learn. 
even sitting with myself and just talking on a microphone alone, which um, was a really big deal. I maybe one day will sell my paintings I was telling you, but right now I'm just, I can't even believe somebody wants to look at them. <laughs> like that's really, I'm just more in all that somebody's like, whoa, that's pretty. Or, uh, oh, I didn't notice that before. Nobody, I never seen anyone paint like that. Um, I'm more just in awe of that right now. And um, cool. That yeah. Compliment. That's amazing. Dude, some of the compliments that I've gotten from people like blow my mind in a way I don't even know how to respond. And then some of the compliments by what my guests answer is even bigger or I see them stop and I see all the, you shouldn't say this right now. What if your blank hears this? What if I see all of it go through their head and I see their deep breath and then I just see him answer. It's such a like, I feel like I have a metal detector at like a beach and it's just like, beep, 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 beep. it's like something just happens, but I feel it instinctually before. And even my head before I ask the question is like, don't ask this. This is rude or uncalled for, or why this is too personal or like all those things go through my head of you shouldn't say this. Uh, but I really, <laughs> I try to, you know, meditate before my podcast and treat it like a real spiritual experience and um, connect with whatever that means. Almost in a way, I feel like Reiki where I try to connect to my highest self and then allow my highest self to connect to their highest self or their spirit guides or whatever their Christ energy or their Buddha, whatever they are comfortable with, whatever their consent is with. And I want the vibration of our voices to like ruminate the energy that's there. And I want it to feel like you're there too. And hopefully like that future quantum idea of it, that I can kind of get a reading of the question you'd ask next. And that's why I'm asking it. It's like, I'm doing it for you. Like I'm just in between. So sort of prompting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah, like an idea of like, you know, people ghost write or they're like, I just let my hand free flow. That's how I feel like I'm just having a conversation. Right on. No, I love that. It was a big deal for me too, to like pick up just doing podcasts by myself. Like I started right when the pandemic hit, because I was like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what's going on? Is this, is it this? Um, and I was sort of speculating. And of course, nobody knew really to be fair, but uh, but it was a big deal Nobody for me too. New, new, right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. I got, yeah, and I had some suspicions too, but I don't want to be out front. And I'm also really careful in general. I don't know, I won't say careful, but I do watch what I say on YouTube and stuff like that. Even though I do have, luckily, Content Safe distributes all this stuff to all these other platforms. You know, people still aren't using those other platforms very much. So. You know, I even close, yeah. yeah. On you know, on these sort of mainstream platforms, because I believe in using any tools that are at you know at the disposal. But um, but it's I don't know. It's 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 cool. It's it's amazing that you're willing uh, to put yourself out there, your story out there, your struggles. 
uh, and connect with other people because that's really, it's, it's a, I think it's in uh, Emerson's self-reliance where he's talking about like the shame you have to endure when you hear someone else's uh, is, is explaining the, the thought that you had, you know? <laughs> so, you know, by standing up and saying, Hey, look, this is bullshit. You know, this is not cool. Um, it, it's really powerful. People need it. You know, um, just saying, Hey, science is not based on facts. It's based on hypotheses that, you know, we, we draw theories from. So you shouldn't have to believe science if it's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, why do you it's have like, to have I don't faith in it? Why do I have to have faith in your religion science? <laughs> right. And I would yeah. say whatever my religion is, blank. You can fill in the blank there with whatever you want to say. Probably even Scientology or Mormonism, two little young religions like that. Um, truer than science. <laughs> like, science really, I, I mean, they, they really can't even prove gravity still. That yeah. is ridiculous yeah, it really is and we're all and we're all yeah because consensus science has become this thing because if everyone agrees then it must be true but that couldn't be that's the most anti-scientific thing i've ever heard uh it's ridiculous we were talking a lot about this actually i was at the midwest peace and liberty festival and um hopefully as things continue to to go i was i did a little bit of stand-up i hosted karaoke it was really fun oh that's awesome i had a blast i met so many amazing people and we were talking a lot about science and sort of the, its shortcomings now like what what has happened to it and how we really don't know very much at all um so i really enjoyed connecting with folks science is them still trying to figure out our divinity to source our connection to this place um, that our feet are on and how we can, it's, it's, it's trying to figure out sorcery. Science is just trying to figure out sorcery. Mm -hmm. That's all I, I, and, and some of it they've figured out. Some of it are very simple alchemaic uh, combinations where if you put peroxide and baking soda together, it makes foam. <laughs> some of it is not as big as a big deal, but it's still alchemaic. And some of it, they have done everything in their power to hide from us. And the people that have figured it out or the people that have woke to it, they've just been called crazy. And um, there's something, there's so much more unexplainable shit. The idea that these idiots tell you just this is this right here just makes me crazy. We've discovered, we know more about space than we do the ocean. It makes me want to like, <laughs> what? How can you even say that? It doesn't even make sense. You're telling me space is infinite. And then in the same breath, you're telling me something that we, is, we know isn't infinite. You know more about the thing that isn't infinite than you do the thing that's infinite. We've seen life in the thing We've never seen life in the other thing. Like to me, I'm just like, you don't know about either of those things, do you? <laughs> That's right. No, they, I, I think that it's just intentionally complex, you know, and just sophistry, basically. Just throwing the, a the of explanation of how the moon got here, the scientific explanation about how the moon got here. I'm not even familiar. Yeah. Could you, do you mind? Dude, <laughs> a rogue planet, a rogue planet comes by earth 
and hits it cataclysmic, knocks a chunk off the earth. And this chunk is just floating in space. Is it going to tumble toward earth because of the gravity? Is it going to tumble away from earth toward the sun? No, the rogue planet comes by again and hits this chunk into perfect orbit. And then they both spin together so long they become circular. And it's such a perfect shape that it blocks our like the moon blocks the sun. We have the biggest moon in the whole solar system in comparison. It makes no sense. And the idea, it doesn't have its own gravitational pull that's pulling us toward it or it toward us. It's just this story alone, just the moon, just the moon. Science, no. Like, how about you just worry about that for a little while? How about stop telling me you sent a piece of tinfoil that is older than me toward a black hole and you're sending me, I don't even believe in black holes. To me, that is a ludicrous idea. You're talking lunacy. We sent a piece of technology towards something that sucks everything into infinite, like nothingness. And that piece of technology sent zeros and ones all the way back to where we're at here. And your science brain read that thing and in zeros and ones to call it, it's sucking in everything into singularity. That is ludicrous. And anyone who regurgitates these ideas, but because I say it, if I were to say that exact same idea to you with conviction at the water cooler, who's going to argue with me? With anything that if I'm like, well, there was a black hole yesterday that was found by NASA and the Sputnik telescope went out in 1970. You're like, oh, this bitch knows all these facts. I don't know how to argue her. I'm scared of black holes now. I'm like, there's so much stupid science that we just blanketly all believe dinosaurs. We blanketly all believe, but there's no fucking real proof of these things. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the concoction is kind of absurd at this point. Like, I didn't realize how many things were questionable. Everything should be questionable. Here's my view. We're all sovereign. We own ourselves. And then from there, we can just unpack the whole suitcase. You know, that's uh, that's where my head's at, you know. But This is my favorite, too. We're so ridiculous that we're like, hey, you know what I am? I'm a sovereign citizen. You can't be those two things together. You don't need to be those two things together. Sovereign isn't a land. So you don't need to be a citizen of the land sovereign. Sovereign is just sovereign. It's just sovereign. It's just, that's it. The funniest but then thing. If you look at it, that means you're royalty of what? So it's like, are you royalty of something? Are you nobility? Is that what sovereign means? What is the word sovereign anymore? Yeah. I'm, yeah, these I'm are the things you, I break down in my brain. Yeah, I was like, that's, like that's, that's, that's good, though, to, to do that. Um, you know, uh, it's so funny, the whole sovereign citizen thing. I was at uh, one of these freedom festivals in South Dakota, uh, and there was this guy who was there, and we were, it was, ex- I was exhausted. I was, like, just sitting there in this booth, just trying to eat, like, a pancake or something. And this guy comes up, and he's talking about sovereign citizens. My friend's talking to him, and he's blah, blah, blah. He's telling all this stuff. You got to do this and that and blah, blah, blah and so on and I'm just like god can you just shut up like I I don't care I just you know I just want to eat my pancake and then my friend says to him oh that's really interesting I mean have you you know when you've implemented all of this because he's talking about your license and how you're supposed to deal with the cops when they ask you you know he's like oh no I I don't do it myself 
I don't do it myself. He's like, what I, am I, an asshole? I don't do all that. He's <laughs> like, no, I have to have a license to drive my truck, you know, back and forth. That's what I do. I, you know, I drive over the road. And I get that, right? Like, there's certainly parts of society that I participate in that I'm not ultimately that fond of. But the hypocrisy is just, it's too it's too obvious in a situation like that. Uh (laughs) And this is just what I want people. I think that I like, I am almost being a a calling to it. If we were sovereign citizens, we would eventually write a document of our sovereignty just so that some of us could go play in the sun and have our kids be raised and not have to worry about those sovereignties being impinged upon. There has never in the history of mankind been a document written like better for that idea than the Constitution of the United States of America. And it upsets me how many people out there are willing to like read written stuff by a CIA Dalai Lama then read the whole entire manifesto of the Unabomber read all of Anne Ron or listen to Alex Jones for a thousand hours, but have never picked up their constitution. And so all the mandates in the world, whether it be a mask or a vaccine or a, um, whatever they are, it's not in your constitution. And if you know that constitution, that means you are sovereign. It is written in there. Every single thing about it down to even at the end of it in small print. And at any time, we can overthrow this motherfucker if you guys try to get tyrannical on us at any time. And people are all like, you know, your guns, your guns, your guns, your guns. No, your guns are just there to give you a peace of mind so you can worship how you want. You can speak your peace of mind and you and your family. The guns are just there to give you no panic, just peace. And um, there's a there's this idea of America needs to stand up. America needs to riot. America needs to, America needs to, America needs to. The most violent places in our country right now, besides, um, I would say, MS-13, gang killings in Chicago, uh, this kind of number that we never, for whatever reason, will count on anything because it'll make us racist one way or unracist the other. It's just stupidity. The places that have the most freedom in our country right now are the places that have the most amount of guns. The reason you don't see people protesting in the streets like the UK or Australia is because we still have our guns. Half the country is really thinking in their head, I wish a bitch would grab my door and try to put a vaccine in my child because I have gone to the shooting range my whole life. I have skinned deer. I have fist fought. I have fight clubbed. And I would love to massacre UN members up. Like I know people are just ready. They're just, they don't even care. It's, there's a difference in the world. A deer is panicked when it hears a sound. A tiger doesn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And it is a very easy to make a deer a tiger when that deer knows how to use a gun. Mm. And that's what I would say about Americans that know their constitution and Americans that are very prepared with their weapons. There's a peace of mind that they have different than panic because, and that it's that sovereignty 
that's how you have to have it. You have a generator, you have a farm, you have a bag of rice, you have a gun. <laughs> that's how your family's free. Preparation. And um, it isn't our military that we aren't being invaded by China right now. This is why they have to have a freezing cold information war. It's because of us. The biggest city and army on the entire planet is the American people. And everybody thinks we don't know it, but I think we do. And everybody thinks that, oh, look at the cities are being poured, torn down, Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But in reality, the race war they've been trying to create for the last hundred years hasn't happened because deep down, People, whether you're in the deep south of Georgia or whether you're in New York City or whether it doesn't matter what color or race or whatever we are, when you just boil down any two of us, we're fucking Americans. And when you think American in your brain, there isn't a color or a religion or anything. It looks like that Michael Jackson black and white video. It's black. It's white. It's all different things. If I tell you any other country on the planet, the person that shoots through your brain is the person, like if I tell you Russian, Saudi Arabian, Jamaican, that person looks like the name of their country to you. But say an American to somebody, there's something beautiful about that. And there's something worth fighting for. And we all fucking know it. Everybody in the world knows it. That's why they all want to come here still, no matter yeah. what the media has tried to sell about us. And the reason everyone wants to fucking come here is because we have the Constitution. And so learn it, live it, love it. That's you. It's like, God, you were born free, but a country wrote a document to make you remember that always and give you the power in a spell, in an alchemic spell, that you can always flip the government anytime you want. And you have the power. And I, I just, I, I think that's a huge thing that people need to remember. And I think it'll take away some of the panic. I think that's great. Yeah. And I, I will even point to the Declaration of Independence. You know what? That's also an incredible, beautiful, beautiful. read that. My God, you know, like start there. That's easy reading. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's so short. And but it's so profound, you know, um, and I mean, if people understand the, their power, I think that's that's the whole point. That's the information war. Right. Like to make people feel powerless. Uh, to make them feel like they're, they don't have options that they're, you know, there's no other choice, but nothing could be further from the truth there. And they'll use uh, ad hominem attacks to say, oh, well, the people who wrote this document, they were racist. So it's not valid. But if you take that document and the principles that are in it and you apply that to every single person, then it's pretty, uh, it's it's pretty revolutionary. I mean, it, it really is. It's it's completely different. That's why we have yeah, like racism in our fucking country is so fucked. The slavery debate in our country is so fucked. The northerners had indentured servitudes, the southerners had slavery. When you boil all that down, it was still only the top one percent that had both those things. We talk about picking cotton in the South a lot. That's a very romantic idea of what happened to these people. The same atrocities that we discuss right now with human trafficking, child trafficking, Epstein Island, uh, you know, the like uh, there's so many Florida weird um, stories like back from the 80s and 90s of like weird kind of culty things like uh, these pedophile rings or these kid trafficking rings that's all that was too right that's all that was too and so um i just think uh we can we cannot as people 
take the blames for the atrocities of the 1% anymore. From slavery to leaks in the Gulf of oil to whatever debt calculator they keep trying to push on us to whatever vaccines they're shoving in countries to whatever global warming they're pushing to sugar just leaking out into my river by me, like from the sugar industry into Florida. Like we can no longer as me and you have to keep emotionally taking responsibility for the shit they, the evil they are doing over and over again. And so there's something I think we have shame of something like slavery. And I don't deserve any shame for slavery. You don't deserve any shame. It is a historical thing that happened. It it is something that we should be able to talk about without shame, without guilt, and also with acknowledgement and validation that it did happen to some. And I think uh, us having to constantly take this ownership is what puts this fight always there, always there. But it's the same as, you know, if I were to be a woman and got raped 20 years ago by a black man and now I hate all black men. It is that exact same mentality that I'm making this whole entire race pay for the atrocities of 1%. That's bullshit. And so I do think... um, slavery is especially in the south it's something that i refuse to take ownership of because i will never enslave anyone and um i i'm not healing trauma from my past life to try to be like cheney you did own slaves probably when you were a pirate in 1771 no (laughs) i'm not doing it no that's uh that's really astute that is a great um point you know because one of the things, for instance, like climate change, right? Like mm-hmm. people are being uh, gaslit on this now. This is going to be one of the new things. It's like, oh, well, it's all our fault that we dr- have to drive in a car. And we and, and if I leave my lamp on, you know, for 15 minutes in my house while I'm gone, then I'm responsible for these giant fucking smokestacks just spewing chemicals into the atmosphere. You know, it has, it, 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 those two things are not related. That that 1% again, you know, they're polluting. They're the ones that are doing all these things in the environment. It's not your and I's fault, you know, like I can bike everywhere, but it's not going to change. <laughs> no, you can carbon tax until your cows come home. Right. You can stop eating cows and start eating Bill Gates meat. Cause cows fart too much. Like right. these are like real shit. They just, it's like no one sees that they tried to shut down the beef industry while pushing Bill Gates meat into every fast food place while Bill Gates vaccines were being pushed in your body. And uh, they would have totally done that if somebody didn't call an executive order to make sure that the meat industry stayed going in America. There's a lot of things that almost happened in this nasty little sloppy new world order that didn't happen. And uh, yeah, I just um, postmaster general shit, uh, you know, emergency uh, acts. And even it's really fishy to me right now how many times DJT said to the governors why their cities were getting torn apart. All you have to do is ask and I'll send in the National Guard. All you have to do is ask. And no, he's Hitler. He's Hitler. He's Hitler. Now all these governors are calling in the National Guard and standing down on their own people, building FEMA camps in their uh, states. And 
it, th th this is part of the regurgitation. Everyone just started to regurgitate. He was Hitler instead of actually learning what a national socialist was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learn what fascism is because like we who's not anti-fascist like that's that's a no-brainer everybody's nobody wants fascism. but the problem i think is is that we get hung up or a lot of people do on the opposite it's like oh we have to be against this it's like no, but against this is not a fucking position there's no. nothing coherent about against this thing over here now you're just angry and throw and throwing crap at some something that's not even a cause it's the opposite of a cause so how can you organize or actively meter or measure your accomplishments, your goals, what you're trying to do. It's like, we have to snuff this out. It's like, dude, the war on drugs, how many drugs can I get in my <laughs> neighborhood right now? You know what I mean? Like we're anti-drug or, you know, whatever it is that we fight against, we're, we're just perpetuating it. That's, that's how energy works. That's how attention works. And there has to be something in the spell, too, for a president to declare war on something like drugs, like obesity, like terrorism, like whatever. If they declare it on a podium, there has to be um, an alchemaic thing that happens for us of acceptance once they declare it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like we're doing this and now we just kind of all start to move in that direction mm -hmm. it's momentum it's, look at it, it's worse they had the war on drugs brought us they brought drugs into all of our schools and elementary school and showed us what crack and heroin and meth and pipes and think of the shit they were showing us in elementary school about drugs some of us would have never seen that stuff ever in our lives yeah that's a good point that's the only time i've seen some of that stuff, you know, and they're doing that with sex education too. And, uh, that is the biggest, I think the grooming of us in society is one of the creepiest things. Yeah. They're just constant grooming from a really young age, from little girls looking at grown men in boy bands to, uh, you know, people thinking it's really cute for those switch movies where it's like, I'm a grown woman now in my young son's body and my young son's in my grown woman's body. And now he's at the locker room in the gym with the girls. Like that's not cute. It's mm -hmm. grooming us. It's creepy. It is. It is. Yeah. It's just, it's, um, yeah, it's something that if you're, you know, uh, exposed to that over, especially from a young age, then you just like, it's so easy to just fall right into that camp you know it's it's mm -hmm. super predictable it's very brave new world Ian totally you know? it's like they they wrote everybody's the predictive programming the predictive programming the predictive programming sometimes I think that sometimes I think um like uh they have to tell us what they're doing to so they for karmically uh what is that the revelation of the method uh, sometimes I think they have to a revelation of the method. So they almost screw us twice karmically. Um, and then other times I really think they're so powerless. Like they, we are the creature that creates, yep. we are the ones attached to God. So I think they're so powerless that they have to create these ideas and put them on all the black cubes, the TVs, the computers. So we manifest our own reality. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly what's happening too. Because we don't even realize how powerful we are, you know. And it's whatever goes in, we're actively creating. And so where consensus reality does make a lot of sense is in trends, 
social um, movements, uh, ideas about society and how things work. I mean, look at these kids and how they view politics. You know, I, I remember coming out of university and uh, I would have been a social justice warrior. You know, and what, what is happening there is people took their, you know, people are uh, taking advantage of empathy, compassion, human characteristics for a specific cause. A few years after I got out of college, I started reading all these other books, you know, and I was listening to Alex Jones too, uh, but I was reading, you know, 1984 and uh, Brave New World and um, <clears throat> several other like historical books, Ayn Rand, stuff about philosophy, things that I had never been exposed to, ideas that made sense, that were simple. You know, it was the first time I'd ever come come into, uh, what is it called? The uh, Occam's razor idea, like, which makes so much sense. But, um, you know, we're not really exposed to those ideas until much later. So look at these younger generation and what their view is on the world. And like they have they have uh, a complete disrespect for the United States. And I mean, personally, to me, I don't have like a, some patriotic sort of worldview. But what I do appreciate, again, is self-ownership you know, uh, the, the idea of independence and being able to choose, freedom to choose, which we still do have, but I think that's the trick, right? The trick is trying to trick us into thinking that we don't have it, then we manifest that reality, and now the consensus goes that way. So this whole current moves like a main, like a mainstream, and then, you know, either go along with it or you make your own way. And, um, you know, for us, people who are what I would consider to be open-minded, like, I don't really care what someone's belief system is. It doesn't matter to me, but if we can have a honest conversation uh, and, and move forward, I think that's the, the beauty of, of the time that we live in is that we can begin to put communities and people together and start connecting. Um, I think that's kind of the next. Yeah. I used to get so uncomfortable by people's ideas <laughs> or face or feelings that, somehow went against mine. And now I like relish it. Like I am so, I love if I start a conversation, I start a rant and somewhere in the middle of my rant, I take in what the person said. Sometimes I feel like almost in a debate class way, I can take what you said, even if I disagree and you just need better marketing. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. it's something in my brain happens now where I'm like, huh, I guess I could totally argue for you instead. And I stop for a minute and I love changing my own mind with my words in the middle of a rant. That is like my new high. Whereas before it used to not knowing used to make me feel stupid. Like the idea of not knowing used to make me feel insecure or um, uh, boring, disinteresting, uh, weak somehow. And now I love saying, I don't know, or I love, I, or if you would bring up a book and you'd be like, Hey, have you read blank? Hey, have you seen this movie? I always had to be, yes, I saw it. And I know it better than you. That used to be my old. And now I'm like, no, like, I just like, uh, let's have a picnic and tell me all about the book you read. Like, I just want to be a student so much now. And I, I don't even know. It almost feels like lifetimes. I was just teacher, 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 teacher. And I'm now a student and I love it. That's awesome. Well, there's so much to learn. I mean, and I think we can do, I think we all do both. <clears throat> you know, they say 
you know, the more, uh, the more teaching helps you to learn something. And especially if you're doing it in a way that's not, that doesn't have an agenda behind it. But I'm like, Hey, I watched this crazy documentary. Oh, really? Tell me all about it. Okay. So here's what their theory, you know, we talk about, you know, there's no threat there. That's, that's us talking about ideas. Like that's a good thing. We should encourage that as much as humanly possible. Instead of being like, Oh, wait, you watched a documentary about like, whatever fill in the blank, flat earth, whatever, you know, and it's like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, even people who I would think uh, are, I don't know, aware and, and conscious still have these like triggery blind spots, you know, where they're, they can't accept certain ideas, but it's just an idea. It doesn't, it has no effect on you if you don't let it, you know, <laughs> like, let's, let's just talk about it. The two, I, I, the, the, it's like almost if we all had demons on us and certain things made those demons reek, like, reek, like they hated it. What I've realized just in a very short amount of time, uh, energetically in the last like six months, oh, I, you could see, you know, we, the MAGA hat is an easy reek. Yes. You can see people's demons peel out with the MAGA hat. That's an easy one. Um, one that's kind of surprising, and we've watched it happen for a few decades, especially in America. Uh, it's uncool, and it causes that kind of emotion if you bring up Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why everybody's um, so anti-Christ, and they are anti it. It's yeah. it's almost like every other school of thought is to be opposite of that school of thought. And... Um, I love philosophy. I love it. I adore it. There isn't a better philosophy written than that of Jesus. And so I think more spiritual people need to um, study that philosophy a little harder. And, um, you know, they'll study Buddha and Buddha's all like, go within, go within, go within, go within, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. And I just really have found that the philosophy of Christ of learning how to love other people is a lot more healing. It's a lot more validating. And it's uh, as as within, so without. So when you learn how to love other people, you learn how to love yourself. Yeah. But a danger in the Buddhism philosophy and the going within all the time and something that I know for sure of the 2020 of it all is that when you learn how to love just you and you're perfect and you're wonderful and you're all these things, you're naive to think you're not going to end up with your face in the gutter and feeling very alone one day. And when you haven't spent any time loving anyone else, uh, it's very, when you're not enough one day, uh, that's a real hard place to be. But when you've spent a bunch of time loving a whole bunch of other people and you have all this wonderful love and energy around you, when you're in the fucking gutter, they got you. And it's, there's quite a difference of that. And so I do believe that people do need to, uh, it's not their whole Bible, whatever you want to get into, but I do think so many people in America were so traumatized and burnt by the Christian religion, probably heavily Catholic, a lot of Southern Baptist. Like there's a lot of shit I know just by how I grew up. And I think that was part of like the demon devil evil scheme was to really make this philosophy look like the worst. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's, it's so triggering, you know, to bring, but I feel like, you know, uh, 
And it doesn't require worship. That's where I totally disagree with a lot of people that, you know, grew up in the church and have never delved into any other religions is if you really look into the philosophy of Christ, he does not require worship. And um, he also, if, if I were to talk about him in a magical way, like a servitor, he is a very, he, it is one of the few energies that you can call on at any time from any place in life. And it's a hundred percent protective. It doesn't ask for anything back and uh, it will leave you whenever you want it to. Mm -hmm. So you think, but it's always there at a beck and call. And I think uh, that's real magic. That's heavy, high magic. Uh, So there's something in the word Jesus, the Yeshua, the Christ, you can feel it kind of radiate through you if you allow yourself. And um, it's quite beautiful. I agree. Yeah, there's something about it that is particularly intriguing. And it's so punk rock, you know, to be a Christian at this point. Oh my gosh, I'm so punk rock with my MAGA hat and cross. But I grew up in the church. My dancing hair. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I I grew up in the church and we got burned uh, by the pastor. Not, you know, but obviously, uh, and then he found out you were a wizard and we <laughs> yeah. got burned. <laughs> but some of the stuff that I learned or experienced, I guess, in that, cause we were in the Pentecostal church, super crazy, right? Like, yeah. Talking in tongues, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but some of the things that I experienced in there were pure magic. Um, and I've even come across a couple of magic pr- practitioners who exclusively use the Bible for their spells, specifically Psalms. Um, which is pretty interesting too. So there's definitely some power there uh, when it comes to the, the Christ figure. But even pre, uh, you know, even before that, there's a lot of power just in that book, you know, in the Old Testament, uh, the Psalms, for instance. Um, I've been doing a lot of uh, digging into that, you know, and it's like, this is some of the most powerful magic that you could do, which does not surprise me because it's like you're saying, for me, I have sleep paralysis sometimes. And that, that word works, you know, if there's like some crazy energy in here, you scream out Jesus and it's boom, it's nipped in the bud. So there's definitely something I know there has to be. It's like, uh, I know you were saying two spells in the Bible. And it's like, even if you look at, like, if you have an old Bible and they're talking about the Ark of the Covenant or the 10 commandments or these old relics that we know that exist, if you look at how they're made, that is alchemaic magic at its finest down to like, God gives a direct script. You must use this kind of wood. You have to use this winged thing. You have to have them facing this direction. It must have this kind of wood as the handles. It must have this kind of bottom. It must. And that's very specific conductivity of energy. And Mary, I am obsessed with Mary. I'm obsessed with Mary, the Virgin Mary. I'm obsessed with Mary Magdalene, Mage Deline. Um, Mage, I just think the MAGA of it all, the MAGA, MAGA, MAGA of it all. Um, Mary uh, is uh, Luna. She is Diana. She is the moon. She is everything. And it's funny to me how we, uh, you know, people talk about, kundalini and getting your uh all of yourself so aligned with your christ energy and doing all this stuff but nobody ever really goes into 
uh, you know, we, we even talk about, uh, let's have Kundalini sex and we're going to get to this highest level and fucking orgasm. But what about just one person alone getting to such a high state of perfection and connection that she conceives divinely? You guys can put any fucking name you want to in there. Joseph Schmosef. That was that girl alone. And if you put Joseph in as part of the equation of that alchemy, then you have to put in every other person she ever met in her life to get that energetic flow. She divinely conceived. So to me, that's a very high magic, beautiful story. And her high magicness was there on the day that Christ was hanging from a cross, making eye contact next to Mary Mage Deline, the only two women standing there spirit destiny all this stuff very witchy could you love somebody enough to bring them back three days later there's very sexy i think the story of like i think i could write a romantic novel about jesus and mary and the amount of withholding and sacrifice he made to never stick it in her (laughs) talk about edgy wow edgy (laughs) hanging from the cross with nails in his feet and palms was easy parcheesy compared to walking next to that dragon slayer every day and not biting her clavicle (laughs) that's fair yeah yeah wow and that's well put you should write a romance novel (laughs) I'm going to like it turned on here. This works. <laughs> this has never happened before. I'm a man. <laughs> That's but, called the sword and the stone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what an awesome conversation. I, we've got to do this again. Um, and also uh, now that I know you're, you also do comedy too. Like if there's events that start, I, I want to see like, cause I think what's going to ultimately happen with a lot of this stuff is some people are just going to be like, peace. You know, there's going to be a bit of a, um, I would say, counterculture um, or even there already sort of is, um, you know, and people who are just not going to comply with the mainstream narrative. I, I want to make sure that we can all um, connect in any way. And it'd be really cool to do shows and things like that. We'll see kind of how things play. I out. would love to get back. On. I haven't been on stage and like since my dad died I got this unfunny feeling for a long time but I'm I'm craving it I'm craving it I'm not scared of it I feel like I'm in the right avatar in my life where I look down and it feels okay and um yeah I feel like this new Hollywood of real people and um love and uh intention to make this America like plant trees that we may never feel the shade of again uh I think we're going to, I really do believe um, we're winning. And I know the media won't tell us that, but, you know, the art of war is to look the strongest when you're weak and the weakest when you're strong. Who is telling you they're really strong right now? Right. Like the media is all saying the same thing. And who are they telling you is really weak right now? Who are they telling you is nothing? And so I would guarantee you, like I guarantee you um, this world the way it's going to unflip like an origami, like uh, the way it's going to fold together where you're like, how did that piece of paper become a bird? That's really how I see the end of this year going. Hindsight is 2020. So 2021, it it hurts to see all the truth and have the veil lifted and it's painful, but um, it's growing pains. I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. This is, this is necessary. It's part of it. I think we're here for, 
such a crazy time as, as this is. And I just want to encourage everybody uh, and, you know, uh, say, you know, you, you're, and, and encourage you, you're a badass. I have really enjoyed this conversation. I've loved it, Bootsy. I want to, I've loved it, Bootsy. I like, I hang out whenever you want. And um, like your energy is so cool. And I um, am excited that we're kind of close on this map that um, I think there's a real chance we're going to hang out and maybe make people laugh together one day. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm definitely about that. I think that's great. Yeah, it's so cool. So nice to meet you. And we'll definitely pick this up and, and do something again, do a live or something. I'm thinking I've got a couple of different ideas. And so I'll be in touch. I'm totally down. I cool. love awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll put all your links in the show notes. Everybody go check out Cheney's stuff uh, everywhere. She's not banned yet. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we will uh, make sure to keep that, keep that up to date too. But the telegram link, I'll stick that in there as well. That should be something that's at least relatively uh, solid. But thank you so much for taking the time today. And thank you. Thank you. This was wonderful. Awesome. Like, I, I feel like it's like, it'll be a good energy to write out the rest of my day with. Awesome. Me too. I really appreciate it. It's so funny. I had a, like a, somebody who was supposed to call me a while ago and they're like, Hey, I got to take a rain check. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Cause I'm having such a good time. So thank you again very, very much. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye.